I'm Cindy Lauper. My psoriasis was all over, even on my scalp, which may mean four times the risk for psoriatic arthritis. But Cosentix works on both. Cosentix secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis 300 milligram dose and adults with active psoriatic arthritis 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or one 844-COSENTIX. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. Just go to Indeed.com podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Hello, beautiful humans. Welcome back to The Shawnee Show under some extraordinarily sad circumstances. So if you're a regular Shawnee Show listener and you haven't been following me on Instagram or keeping up with the world, there is a, there's just some awfulness, some awfulness, some fucking awfulness. So anyways, I'm going to be talking today about the Gaza water situation. I'm running through all the research I did, speaking to some of the experts um, on the Gaza water systems and the crisis that's been happening in Gaza long before the war, even with the water. So uh, we'll be talking all about that. I did record all this live on Instagram, uh, also live on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and such. So I'll be doing most of the Shawnee shows from here on out live. I just think it's easier. And I, I do like engagement. I like being able to see what the questions are that you guys have and uh, interact live. I think right now, honestly, the most important thing that we need is community. So in whatever capacity we can get it, I feel like it's pretty valuable. I have a Substack. If you guys don't know, Substack, you pretty much get absolutely no added value from subscribing to the Substack, but you can support me financially through that and subscribe. Again, don't expect any special content. Pretty much everything I do is for free, but it is just an avenue to support me and you'll get the episodes to your inbox. That's always so much fun. So much fucking fun. Wow. So, depressed Shawnee. I need to listen back to my episodes before uh, before October 7th and see 
what I used to sound like. I feel like there was so much more happiness in my voice, but guys, we will get through this. Not only will we survive, we will fucking thrive, just as Jews always have. Let's do a deep breath, you guys. Let's do one. Inhale for four. And exhale for four. What a privilege to be able to take a breath, a privilege to be able to take a breath in a safe space, a privilege to be able to take a breath and it immediately help my physical stress because I'm not in immediate life danger. That's a fucking dope ass privilege. Without further ado, the ad read and then the episode. All right, guys, before we jump right back into the episode, let's just take a quick minute to thank our sponsor, Bet Online. Bet Online has been supporting me for a while, so I do love them. They're your number one source for all your sports betting this season everything from NHL, NFL, uh, NBA, UFC, what their acronyms are there? ABC, CNN, uh, what, what else is there? Is it ENT? Is it TNT? They're all, it's honestly all on there, actually. You can you can access any and, and all of it. You might even be able to bet on the war. No, I'm kidding. That might actually lose me my contract. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Total joke. Total joke. So you just got to go to betonline.ag. Uh, and if you use our promo code, which is believe, B-L-E-A-V, that's right, believe, you receive 50% off of your welcome bonus with your first deposit. That's very exciting. So... You should go check that out. Maybe you can drown your sorrows in some gambling right now. That's just what we need. (laughs) Now for Gaza, water. How exciting was that transition? Depressing. Let's jump into Gaza water. This is, it's probably the biggest hot button issue, I would say, that honestly so many people have been discussing and I feel like a lot of people don't know anything about. Um, first and foremost, I am not going to be speaking on anything I don't know. So I've been speaking to these experts, but I have so many more questions for them. And I'm sure that we're collectively going to have a lot of questions for them. So please feel free to, uh, drop those and I will, uh, I will try and follow up with them and ask them after. Um, but this is a very important issue. So let's just talk about, um, the, let's just talk about the way that Gaza is set up right now in terms of water and like their actual, where they're where they're getting water from. A lot of people think Israel provides them with almost all of their water. uh, But the truth is that honestly, we absolutely do not. There is one very small pipeline that goes in from Israel to Gaza, which which gives like, you know, added water. But in terms of percentages, we're looking at very, very low percentage, like maybe around 10%. That number is still uh, it's hard to verify this stuff because of the gauze inside. So the info that we have right now in terms of how things are are built is what we left there. And then what we know from maybe some nonprofits and things like that. Uh, but essentially the 
water that Israel provides is basically next to nothing and would never really be the tipping point in terms of whether or not Gazans have water or not. Now, the other ways that Gazans get water, and this is how they do it um, and have been doing it for pretty much ever, before 05, before we even left, is the aquifers. So in Israel and all along the Mediterranean, there are aquifers, right? And in Gaza, they have one aquifer. Um, But the problem with this aquifer is it's been overpumped so much over the years. And I don't know if you guys know about the water crisis that happened in Israel forever. I mean, it's been going on forever. And that's why we have such high level desalination and such incredible water technology. But I remember when I was a kid, you know, and I would go to Israel, the thought of having a car wash or like doing any of those things, it just never even it just was never even a thing. Like Israel was so out of water that that kind of luxury type water usage was not something that was heard of. We also would turn off the um, the the water like in the shower while you're doing your hair or whatever and then you turn it back on. Like water has always been an issue. So regardless, it's always been a problem. And while Israel has improved its technology in water, Gaza has absolutely not. And they've actually ruined a lot of their water systems. So one method that they get water is this one aquifer. That's like their main little hub. They also have a number of desalination plants in Gaza, but they're very small and they would need to be quite large to be able to sustain the amount of water that they actually need in Gaza. Now, the biggest problem with the aquifer is overpumping. What happens when you overpump an aquifer is that the water becomes unusable. One, because it mixes in with the sort of sea seawater and, and you get a lot of saline. And so you essentially just get much saltier water. When you're drinking saltier water, you're becoming more dehydrated, quality, etc. It's just horrible. Um, the other problem with overpumping an aquifer is that it ruins the aquifer. So it ruins the whole system. And there's a number of reasons why overpumping has happened. One, a need of water. Two, there's a lack of regulation, which is a huge problem. So like Hamas's ministry is not... Uh, regulating the pumping of this aquifer. So that's also a really, really big issue. And you have to actually regulate these things to maintain the quality of water and to therefore maintain the usage of the water. Because sure, you might get a lot of water, but if it's saltier and brackish and all this crazy shit, then that's not good. You don't want that. This is not good. You can't even use it. And then it has to go through desalination, which is even a whole other thing. Uh, Now, the other thing with their desalination plants that they have, which supplement some of the water from the aquifer that they're not getting, is the fact that they're too small and they can't actually produce that much water. So the, their methods of getting water, really, really shitty next to none, okay? Then you have wells, okay? Their wells that they use are privatized. The water in Gaza is heavily privatized, like heavily privatized. So if you have money, you have water in Gaza. If you don't have money, you have no water in Gaza, which is why being a member of Hamas and being a member of this terrorist organization is actually financially incentivized for a lot of Gazans because they get money and therefore they get water. So legitimately, it's like any other society which is heavily driven by finance and the poor people are completely shit out of fucking luck which really 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 sucks because in gaza essentially the poor people are the ones who are not a part of hamas um and it's just a very sad situation all around but it's heavily privatized the well systems are very heavily privatized there's like so many things that are going on and this is just drinking water i haven't even got into the issues with wastewater and the way that they they uh clean that because there's huge contamination problems there let's finish drinking though so another big issue with desalination, um, because that would be a very good solution. And there are quite a few nonprofits that have been trying to work on initiatives to help fix this, to bring in bigger and larger desalination plants in Israel. But 
Israel has a dual-use policy for any goods and services entering Gaza. So a dual-use policy, essentially the dual-use policy is if it can be used to make a rocket, uh, it will be limited, right? And piping has notoriously been used to make rockets in Gaza. They have legitimately dug up a number of their water pipes to be able to use them for rockets. This is a very, very big problem. So bringing in the infrastructure that is required to set up long-term feasible solutions for their water crisis uh, will go against the dual-use policy and inevitably will be used and put into the hands of Hamas to be used for rockets. So it's a really shitty situation. And there is a ton of smaller projects and initiatives that have been kind of working to get through. But we're literally dealing with a government that is a terrorist organization. It's very hard to get these kind of projects uh, going. But there's a number of orgs doing this, both on the on the Palestinian and the Israeli side. Like a lot of Israelis are working on this issue, you guys. Um, so anyways, that's one of the one of the sort of like overlying big issues in terms of building uh, real lasting help there is that just the hindrance of Hamas is a really big problem. And anyone that has come in and tried to do any real projects with their water piping, all of the materials just end up getting used for rockets. It's really just ridiculous. So again, this is the saddest display of uh, the poverty and the poor people getting the worst end of the stick. And so in Gaza, if you're poor, like you're fucked. It fucking is awful. It's just an absolute calamity. And it it honestly breaks my heart to even fathom what that would kind of be like. Um, so that's, that's one part of the drinking situation. Um, now, their desalination plants, they have the small ones. We don't actually know how many they are because they could have built more since uh, we left and obviously since we found out. So again, intel from there is a little bit trickier. And I'm actually really, I would love to interview someone who's on the Gazan side about water. I, I know it would legitimately put their lives at risk, but at some point, I just think that kind of conversation is important. Um, but hopefully we will have actually more intel on how many desalination plants, how many things are up and running, uh, and also their waste their waste cleaning plants and the, the the water plants that they use to sort of deal with the contamination issues there. So that kind of intel would be great to have. It's still very unclear, but they just don't produce enough water for the Gazan citizens. Citizens, And by the way, the desalination and the aquifers and the pipeline that comes in from Israel, all of those together have never produced enough water for the Gazan citizens. It's heavily privatized and that's why the richer people get water and that's why those wells are uh, essentially just like a cost per play, but the, the paper play. But the thing that's crazy also is in the poorer parts of the Gazan communities, they're charged a lot more for water. So if you're richer, you end up getting better pricing for water. And if you're poorer, they really rip you off. It's actually kind of fucking crazy to think about. It, it. I mean, honestly, it's just so insane. And the fact that people aren't up in arms about this is so crazy, especially when they're literally yelling at Israel, who provides so little water to Gaza and going crazy on the fact that Israel has shut off the water to Gaza, which, by the way, we barely even did is so insane to me. It's just so crazy that they harp on that when the true issue is what's happening with inside of Gaza. Now, let's get into the freaking contamination issues because this is actually a really big problem and stems also from the lack of any sort of help from Hamas. You have your drinking water, but then you also have wastewater and all the water that you use, showers, toilets, etc., all this shit, right? And literal shit. And 
uh, Gaza has their uh, their wastewater treatment plans, right? They have a network, a sewer grid, three wastewater treatment plants, essentially. And when we left Gaza, we left them with the entire infrastructure. And Gaza actually has a better infrastructure than the entire West Bank. They have a full network, a sewer grid. Um, they've got the three wastewater treatment plans. And the, the, like, the whole thing was set up. We left them with a very, 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 very good wastewater treatment setup, sewer setup, grid setup. It was pristine and would have sustained and could have scaled to where the population is at now. However, they did not take care of any of these. And we don't know if they've dug up a lot of these pipes as well, which is a huge issue. So there is a massive contamination issue, a sanitation problem within the Gaza water system, not just drinking water, not just all that stuff, desalination with salt water, whatever, legit contamination problem. And when these waste uh, water treatment plants get contaminated and they start overflowing from the amount of water they're having to intake because of this insane population growth, which by the way, also further proves the fact that the genocide notion is insane. The population growth is, is so large that they're overflowing their wastewater treatment plants, which we left them in 05. And because they overflow, the only thing that you can do, the only solution for an overflow is to discharge that into the sea. And that's a huge contamination issue. I mean, the, sanita the sanitation problems that that, uh, that brings up are is insane. And so when you discharge that into the sea, it also not only causes problems across the board for what's happening on the coastline, but it causes a ton of problems for the aquifer, which is where their main source of water is. And so not only is the aquifer overdrilled and therefore high in saline, it's a very saline water, but it's also now facing this contamination and sanitation problem, which is a mega, mega issue for the aquifer. It cannot, um, it cannot clean the water like it needs to. An aquifer is dug very deep underneath these sort of layers of whatever the fuck earth is happening, right? And when it's pulling it up, it's able to, to clean it through those layers. And that's, that's getting all fucked up. So not only is it getting fucked up with the ocean water, but it's also getting fucked up from the legit contamination of the wastewater that is being dumped into the ocean. The whole thing is a shit show, but this happened by the way, and this has been happening long before the war. This is not a uh, current issue in terms of like, it just started now. Gaza's water has been a problem for so many years and the population growth has made it an increasing issue in the last few years. And we're seeing that become a obviously a huge humanitarian crisis during a time when they, when first of all, Hamas is controlling all of this water, when the privatized systems are now charging like ridiculous amounts so really poor people can't get even a droplet um, and when aid is obviously having to be searched so much more so it's a really big fucking issue and again like predates this war and so the fact that so many people are up in arms about this humanitarian crisis of water now it's like where have you been what, legitimately where have you been this this has been a crisis for a while and if you actually cared about this you would have cared about this also when it was happening five years ago ten years ago whenever this started so it's kind of an insane it's, it's just an insane crisis where it's like the more I did research into this, the more I found new and uh, complicated, complex problems that would take a, such a revamp of both their government and also just uh, our relations with the outside world to be able to fix. Like they also need better relations with Egypt. They need better relations with other countries to be able to import what it is that they need and better relations with Israel for us to be able to trust them um, and for it to be able to pass within the dual use policy. It's like, it's so complex. It's kind of insane. So water, can't believe they turned off the water. You know, you like, 
you minimize these issues to one sentence and then you just immediately place blame on Israel when 85, 95% of the blame is literally not on Israel. Actually, even more is not on Israel. And if anything, the Israeli NGOs, which by the way, a lot of them based in the communities that were attacked on October 7th, uh, have been trying to work on and trying to fix. It's it's really kind of insane. And also for the record, Israel has let in like a couple million liters of water um, from Egypt in the last however many uh, weeks right now. So we are really trying to help. We are 100% really trying to help, but this is a problem that is so much more complex than just turning on the water. We literally, our pipeline that goes into Gaza, this one little mini pipeline, would not be able to turn off, turn on strong enough to provide all of Gaza with water, even if we fucking wanted to, you guys. Like, even if Israel wanted to. It simply doesn't work that way. So, huge, huge issues both with the drinking water and also with the wastewater. Now, there's a bunch of details that I haven't even uh, gone into yet, honestly, because my brain is a little bit scattered. I woke up crying today. This happens every day. Um, it's it's really an issue. But another big one, by the way, on contamination is like there haven't really been enough long-term studies to gauge the the level of depth and the depth of, of this contamination crisis. So it's it's a, it's just difficult to even measure, especially when our sources are like Hamas's health ministry. It's, I mean, they're, you know, like what the fuck, right? Like who are we trusting over there? So uh, I mean, my my dream, my dream in my little dream world, my fucking bubble of little hello, beautiful human positivity that I live in sometimes is that we eradicate Hamas and somehow have not created a, just an insane amount of hate within Gaza to be able to somehow empower a more democratic and reasonable government to be able to actually start working on all these issues. Like, I just would love to fucking see that. Is it realistic? I don't know. I live in the clouds sometimes. Um, the other thing, by the way, is the aquifer. It's really shallow. These aquifers are shallow. So the aquifer is easy to contaminate. When a when an aquifer is shallow, it's much easier to contaminate. So this, the wastewater thing is a real big issue. Let's go back to domestic use though, because I skipped through so many details just to get through all of that, but it's important. Um, so the, the PWA, so Israel uh, does not control the water in Gaza. It's the PWA, the Palestinian Water Authority. So they still maintain control of the water and that's uh, run by Fatah. Um, so that's also like a big thing. So we're not even like in charge of this shit, you guys. So we have absolutely no authority of who digs wells, where and when in Gaza. We just don't even control that. Um, and... Yeah, so seawater intrusion is a big thing. That's what they call it, seawater intrusion. Um, that's the big part of the whole saline coming in and mixing in. This is like a big thing. But again, there's like just no regulation of this stuff, which is a really big thing. So you get this pirate drilling um, and they use it for domestic and for agriculture. And there's just so little regulation of that. And obviously you can imagine how much water is needed for agriculture and for domestic. And so when it's not being regulated... Like, I fucking hate the government just everywhere. I'm collectively a little bit more of an anarchist than I think I would like to be. But I really understand regulations in some areas. And genuinely, regulation is in place for things like this. And so when you have no regulation, um, you just get this overpumping. And there's also been like a serious la lack of rainfall. Israel is not somewhere that gets a lot of rain. We have a water crisis already. When I say Israel, I mean Gaza and West Bank, like just the whole region, the Middle East. Like we're a little fucked for water as is. So, you know, it's already a problem and we've had to up our technology so much uh, within the borders of Israel to be able to provide water for all of us. And they haven't done that. They invest their money and their tech in hatred, in terrorism, in rockets and this, that and the other. 
like I always make fun, but honestly, I feel like God, I mean, if Gaza had some sort of startup of rocket building and that was their main export, they legit might be able to feed everybody and bring in enough water and enough like money and life for everyone to be happy. And I just don't know why they don't go that route. It's clearly their fucking expertise. If Gaza was a kibbutz, their main uh, building thing would be rockets. Like that's what they would do. They'd be the kibbutz team of rockets. Ugh. Okay. Anyways. Um, Let's see. Dual use policy. So dual use policy gets a lot of criticism. And like, I actually really understand where people are coming from. It's, you know, it's tricky. It's a tricky situation. But what a lot of people view the borders of Gaza as, um, they forget that that's the border of Israel. That's the border into Israel. So it's not just the border into Gaza. Like, that's our border into Israel. I don't understand how people don't really see that as well. So, for example, like the border of California and Mexico, right? Like, yes, that's the border of America, but it's also Mexico's border. There is some fucking Americans they might not want to have uh, come into Mexico. So I just I think it's important to understand, like, the borders work both ways. Like, we control what enters into Israel. Like, this is our border also. So we have every right to control it just as they have every right to control what happens on their side of the border and they do and uh 16,000 gazans were going in from gaza to israel to work every day on workers permits not a single israeli goes into gaza to work israelis don't go into gaza to work we get killed we get kidnapped into gaza we do not go in there it's like fucking impossible so it's it's so crazy to me when i hear people talk about like the apartheid and the this and the that and the other and i'm like dude what Palestinian controlled areas right now are where the apartheid is. Like if you go to parts of the West Bank, you can only go with your American passport. You can't go with your Israeli passport. You just can't. Like it's impossible. You get killed. You get literally killed or worse, tortured and hung up. It's like honestly insane. So people act like this border is like for one way, but Israel is the one that is so small. One second. <coughs> if you look at the whole map of the Middle East, up until the beautiful Abraham Accords, which make me cry every time I think about them. I just love them so much. Israel has been the enemy, this tiny little enemy. We are the open air prison that we've just made work so fucking well and incredible. My favorite place in the whole world. That's our border. Like we are the border that is being, I just don't think people get that. They keep talking about everything. Like it's um, like, they're not surrounded by a bunch of uh, of allies. Like we're the ones surrounded by a bunch of enemies. We're the ones who need the border for our own protection. It has nothing to do with like preventing them from living a good life. We'd love for everyone to live a good life. Go live a fucking good life. That Israeli guy that was on uh, that viral video. Where he's like, you want Gaza? We don't want to take it, take it, take it. Yeah. Fuck. We literally gave it to you. Take it and go make it a heaven. Literally, like legitimately. And I think it's so insane that people don't seem to understand that concept. So it just drives me crazy with that. Um, okay, back into a couple other things. Hold on. Da -da 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 -da. Let me give you guys a little perspective in terms of the desalination plants that would be needed. So Gala, Gaza has smaller desalination plants, but Israel has, hold on, Israel has five large scale plants, right? Gaza, to be able to give enough water to their population, would need likely two plants of that size, two plants of that size, but they'll essentially never get there without a political agreement. And like, that is likely never going to happen with Hamas in power. So again, if you want Palestinians to live a better life, you should support the removal of Hamas because that's honestly hindering them. It's one of their biggest hindrances. It's their only one really at this point. Well, there's a number of them. 
Yeah, so in terms of the privatized water sector, these are essentially small businesses, you guys. Like any old Joe in Gaza with like the permission of Hamas, obviously, can start a little water small business and then they charge whatever they want. And it's like a whole little situation. Um, and the residents in Gaza are completely at the mercy of these water vendors. Like this is all, it's all on them. And it's totally, un prices are unregulated. Everything is unregulated. So they can rip you off and charge you. It's just horrific. So again, the poor are suffering. Um, doo -doo -doo. And the pipe that is the that Israel has of water going into Gaza, that was from the Oslo Accords. If you guys don't know about the Oslo Accords, you should just go read about them. I actually, um, it's so sad because Uri passed away, but I, I worked with him for a number of years in, in Tel Aviv. I worked for this really awesome nonprofit called Yala Young Leaders. Um, and it's essentially a... Um, it's, I mean, it's like a, essentially a peace movement is phenomenal. We, we basically like work together, uh, Arabs uh, and MENA, humans from all over the globe, non-Jews, Jews, Muslims, Christians, whatever, all sort of like working together and, and building each other up. And it's, it's a really, is an incredible program, really, really incredible. Some wonderful people that I met on there. And Uri Sevier was the head of it. And I'll never forget the first time I met him in Tel Aviv. What an absolute legend. But he was essentially like the, the chief peace negotiator of the Oslo Accords. And he, he passed away really sadly, but it was just such an honor to have been able to work with him. And there's so many incredible Israeli organizations like that, by the way. Like we are, I mean, we are just so gung-ho for peace. And I don't really think people understand that. And what a lot of people don't seem to get is like the people that were targeted, they had intel on the people that were targeted. Be'eri, all these kibbutzim who had like immense very strong titans of the peace community within Israel who are really trying to make things happen and help the the day-to-day -day life of Gazans, the day-to-day -day life of Palestinians, the day-to-day -day life of Israelis. I mean, they, you have to remember they lived on the border towns. And like border towns, you know, you, you hear about like Sterot all the time. Like, you know, it's like this this like infamous town, but like you go to Sterot and you're like, damn, they get hit by rockets all the time. Like this is just a day-to-day -day part of their life. And, you know, these border towns have had to live with this for so long. It's it's really, it's really, a, it's just crazy. But Oslo Accords, there's actually a great movie with Jeff Wilbush, who's a wonderful Jewish actor, and he plays Uri in it. Um, and you should watch it. It's about Uri Sevier and the Oslo Accords. And I just think Oslo, I mean, it's sad. It's sad how many times we've actually tried to bring things to the table and it really like never works. But um, anyways, another real problem with water. Let's go back to this because there's so many issues. This thing is like an onion. Never, never ends. They don't have enough fuel to desalinate properly. Um, and that's another big concern. But they, you know, obviously in times like this, they use fuel purely for their rockets. So they have plenty of fuel right now, like in general, for their little rocket situation. But if they really wanted to do mega desalination, like, you know, to have the two largest plants that they would need, that is is a, a very big issue. If fuel would be coming coming into play in that. And then in the West Bank, just a quick note on the West Bank, their system is very complicated. Like their water system is much more complex. It's very different to Gaza. Gaza got left with a really beautiful infrastructure uh, for water, for sewage, for all of that. Unlike the West Bank, the West Bank has a much more different system and it's very complicated. I'm actually still doing a lot of research on it. So um, anyways, it's, it's a big issue. 
It's a really big problem. Um, the saline issue is super big. One of the biggest problems in terms of uh, just the contamination and obviously also just the sanitation in terms of contamination, both really coming into play here. Gaza actually has like a really high rate of kidney stones because of the water quality. So the water quality crisis has been going on for a long time. This is pre-war, like very, very, very pre-war, this uh, high kidney stone rate. So it's something that's kind of insane uh, that so many people that are really standing up to it now are like putting all the blame on Israel when Israel is, you know, just a fractional percentage of like what's happening there with the water. And I'm, I'm hoping that once this is done, we can consider pushing forward some of the initiatives for some of the, the shorter term, smaller projects to be able to really help the water sitch in Gaza. And I'm also hoping that, you know, with the Israeli army going in on the ground, like we'll have a better understanding of what's happening both with their tunnel system, which is the metro, and also with their water system, uh, because it's it's next to impossible to get verification on what's happening over there that's confirmed and trustworthy, which is, you know, a huge factor when you're trying to work on projects like this. So anyways, all right, let me see... Um, what's happening on here. I don't know if I even, am I in my own personal comment section? I have to log back into my own Instagram to see that. But I know you guys had a bunch of questions on the water situation. For the most part, I probably maybe can answer a few of them. That is mostly what I would say that I, I've learned from all of this. Um, I really don't want to speak on anything I don't know. But if you do have questions, I'm going to put up a story with another one of the suggestion boxes so you can add those into there. Um, and I recommend listening to the full podcast back before you actually ask those because I think it will just simply be uh, easier and I won't get repetition. But please put them in the question box. I kind of gave up on my DMs, you guys. No offense. It's just like honestly so insane in there. So I, I, if I put up a box like that, I will read those a lot sooner than I will read your DMs. So it's great if you put them in there and then I can just sift through them. Um, but yeah, feel free to draw me any questions you guys have on Gaza water and such. And I think I'm going to wrap up this live and immediately start another one because I want to do a different topic and I'd like to keep these to a degree rewatchable. So anyway, see you guys back in about 10 to 15 minutes where we're going to go over a few other things. And I'm also going to look through some of the questions you guys posted right now. <sighs> I'll see you guys later. I'm Cindy Lauper. My psoriasis was all over, even on my scalp, which may mean four times the risk for psoriatic arthritis. But Cosentix works on both. Cosentix secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis 300 milligram dose and adults with active psoriatic arthritis 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or one 844 Cosentix. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. NetCredit is here to say yes because you're more than a credit score. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partners. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Clover gives you the power to run a smarter, faster restaurant. See everything in real time with the kitchen display system. Streamline takeout and delivery with online ordering. With the right tech, quick service is getting even quicker. Clover, accept payments, run your business, and sell more. 
For a limited time only, visit Clover.com to get a $450 statement credit on qualified hardware purchases. That's www.clover.com. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. Remax agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit Remax.com or download the Remax app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.